Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. My life is unrecognizable compared to when I started. I couldn't even have imagined where we're at. I was, I needed to like pay my rent when we started. From my personal life to my team's life, like we have people, like over a hundred people in the Philippines, like emailing me on a weekly basis how they've bought in a home or gotten a car or like lives are just being changed left and right, not to manage the thousands of clients we work with. I mean, like beyond finances, it's just like we just start helping people every day. From Milo, it's Freelance to Founder, where we tell the real stories of solopreneurs who have scaled their businesses to something much bigger than themselves. I'm your host, Brandon Hull. On today's show, you might find yourself fidgeting in your seat just a little bit if you're a graphic designer. We talked to a former creative director and freelance designer who moved on to start his own service, providing unlimited flat fee graphic design services to marketers and small businesses. He's built his business in just two years to 85 full-time employees, 1,700 clients, and over $500,000 in revenue per month. This is the story of Russ Perry, founder of Design Pickle. But first, a word from our sponsor. Season three of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers and solopreneurs. FreshBooks recently released some major updates to better help you scale your business. From super fast invoice creation to automatic client reminders and lots of other cool features, FreshBooks is the number one choice for lots of our listeners and readers. In fact, this season, you'll hear from freelancers and solopreneurs just like you who have used FreshBooks to manage and scale their business. Real people who are running real businesses and using FreshBooks to do it. To try the all-new FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com FTF and enter FTF in the How Did You Hear About Us section. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and 
and promo code freelance to save $400. Hydro.com promo code freelance or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Many designers get started in their careers with exciting ambitions. You imagine the creative and compelling branding projects you'll be involved in. You picture the multi-channel campaigns you'll have a hand in launching. But when it's all said and done, what do you find yourself spending most of your time on? One-off logos, business cards, images for pay-per-click campaigns, or graphics for social media posts? It's that sort of, let's call it less sexy work that many graphic designers find consuming their time. Not quite as soul-stirring. At least, that's how Russ Perry saw it when he was a designer. It led him to ultimately found Design Pickle. But there's a compelling man and story that had to happen before Design Pickle would even become an idea. Let's get introduced. Yeah, so my upbringing was all in Arizona. I'm a third generation Arizona native, which is like kind of like a dragon unicorn. They're very rare. You don't really see them very often. And I grew up mainly in Tucson, Arizona, which is about an hour and a half south east of Phoenix, but I grew up in, you know, single parent household. My mom and dad split when I was two. My mom still is to this day uh, a, a teacher, an elementary school teacher, and has had been since I was young. And so I spent pretty much all my time growing up with my mom. I have a, a younger sister, and then my dad, he moved about four or five hours north, and I would see him occasionally. He uh, spent most of his professional life as a Pepsi delivery man. So he ran the blue collar operations of putting sodas on shelves in all of rural Arizona. Though he didn't see his father all that often, he felt he learned the value of hard work from him. From his mother, he gained access to technology and he craved that access. It opened his mind to possibilities. So it took an interesting journey, but oddly enough, my mom being a teacher positioned me to get into technology at a really young age. And how that was the case was Apple was really kind of making a run. You know, the Macintosh was released. It was the first era of Steve Jobs and education was a big market for them. Apple made the first run at it in, 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 in Tucson, where I grew up, well, the school I went to, which was also the one my mom taught at. Long story short, during the summer, my mom would get to take one home. So while we couldn't afford a computer from like buying one straight up, she would get one for three months out of the year because they would just be sitting in a classroom and they let all the teachers check them out and bring them home. I would just be enthralled in learning basic coding and getting my 1200 baud modem up and running and 
you know, just going to town. And I, and so I got, I fell in love with technology from a young age. Some parents worry that their kids will become game obsessed computer addicts if they spend too much time in front of a screen. And so they strictly limit that time. Other parents invite that kind of opportunity for the very reason you're about to hear with Russ. Well, don't get me wrong. I played my fair share of Oregon Trail and Number Munchers and all these other bizarro games they had on there. But coding was interesting because it was like, I can make my own things. And so I was always into building and creation and now I can do that on a computer. I can tell you my favorite game growing up was this very complicated game. Me, I had an older cousin who was, she's five years older than me, maybe four or five years older than me. So she lived, her and I lived in the same apartment complex growing up in Tucson. And she would come over and we would get these big pieces of cardboard cut them up and I remember this was this was even before my mom would take home computers but I kind of knew about them and I would watch shows and this and that and we would effectively spend hours and hours making keyboards and computer screens and these like box cardboard box computers all of this and we would never actually like get into anything any plane <laughs> but we were designing and we were creating. And so that was always like inside of me, um, but not so much graphic design, more like problem solving. And I always just found better ways to do things or my ways to do it. And I would, I would create that as a child. And then I would later on create that as an adult with the businesses that I built. Russ was a sharp kid growing up and Maybe that's obvious at this point. Later, he became his high school's only recipient of a leadership scholarship program offered by Arizona State University. It was a full-ride scholarship, meaning the school pays for your tuition, room and board, textbooks, school materials, and sometimes even all of your living costs. Despite the scholarship covering all of those core costs, Russ found employment on campus. Yeah, so I started out, not surprisingly, at the computer store on campus at the the bookstore inside the bookstore was this like, you know, mainly Mac, but they had a couple PCs there. And I worked there for about a year and a half and then caught wind of an opportunity opening up for the Apple campus rep, which was actually the, the liaison to the Apple sales team in higher education here in Arizona and um, applied and got that job, which was like, man, talk about a dream come true. Like, I was working for Apple, like, you know, and I was 19 or 20. I can't remember exactly my age. But I think I was a sophomore or junior. And um, this was like a dream job. Like I literally was in charge of marketing Apple products on campus. Like when the iPod came out, which is when I was in school, uh, I went to the student rec center and set up a table and like showed everyone working out like, hey, you can now have music while you work out. Check this out. And so it was really cool. And it was a, a, it actually set me up to work for Apple um, again after college. I, I quit that job, but then worked for them later on. Now, that job at Apple didn't happen immediately. Before Russ graduated, life had other plans for him before exploring the job market. So I actually had like a prearranged job coming out of college. My my close friend uh, Farron had had interned it for LG. It was a division of LG, a lesser known division called LG HiMax, and it's I don't know the GE of Korea, South Korea. Like they make TVs and they make toothpaste. They make countertops and they make air conditioning units. So. 
I went to go work with them because my buddy, who is my same age, he just um, he graduated a semester ahead of me because I I decided to have a daughter my senior year in high school. So that was uh, that was a, a bit of a of a curveball for me, and I had to graduate a semester late. Having a kid when you're 22, you grow up really fast. And I had actually had a one-way ticket to Australia booked my senior year because I was going to graduate and get an internship at a agency, creative agency in Sydney and work and learn the agency world. That was my vision. And I had done an internship for an agency here in Phoenix and I decided that that was, that was my path. That's what I wanted to do. And I ended up getting a call from a woman that I had known and, and you know, was briefly with and, uh, and it was basically like, hey, Russ, um, I haven't talked to you in a while, uh, seven months to be exact. I hadn't talked to her, said, I'm having a daughter and I think it's yours. And by the way, she's due in two months. <laughs> Priorities tend to change when such a tremendous responsibility falls into your lap. And yes, that's an understatement. For Russ, it changed not only his priorities, but his geography. He stayed in the United States and took that role he mentioned with LG Electronics. They were his first post-graduation employer and his first client because things, well, they changed after about a year. But I ended up getting fired from that job. Yeah, so I was... I was like, again, remember back to my do things my way, find out better solutions. Turns out that doesn't work super well in corporate environments. And I was starting to step on some toes because I was, I was being a little too vocal about what we needed to do. And so I was sort of like friendly fired. And uh, then the next day I had my first contract job as a freelance graphic designer because they still needed me. They just didn't want to necessarily have me on payroll. And thus began Russ's freelance journey. He started his own design agency, Keen Creative, doing websites, branding, logos, trade show exhibit designs, and so forth, until he merged it with another designer to form NSB Keen. They gave that a go for two or three years until Russ realized that there was an opportunity screaming for him to pursue. I saw a lot, I did a lot of things wrong. Like, I think that is probably what, gave me the aha moment for design pickle is we were charging a lot of money for not a very good product that was really complicated to use and to work with, which is like the complete opposite business model of design pickle. (laughs) And it's not like I was trying to deceive anyone or I was trying to, to, you know, be, be a con man in the creative game, but it's just like, it's super hard to run a business based off of what you perceive the value to be. When we come back, how Russ dodges the hate from designers who feel he's commoditizing their craft to a place that's unacceptable. I'm Brandon Hull, and you're listening to Freelance to Founder. Season three of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by our good friends at FreshBooks. Lots of freelancers in the Milo community choose FreshBooks for their invoicing and client management needs, including this guy. 
Hey, Ian Padgett here, host of the Logo Geek podcast. Ian's an extremely talented designer, which means he can't be sending out invoices that look like they came from a free Microsoft Word template. I've been using FreshBooks for just over a year now, and the thing that I love most about it is that I can create, you know, really great-looking invoices very quickly. If you'd like to join Ian and start sending out beautiful invoices, plus create those invoices in less than 30 seconds and schedule automatic reminder emails if your clients forget to pay those invoices, well, then you should visit freshbooks.com slash FTF and enter FTF in the how did you hear about us section. This season is also sponsored by Storyblocks. Have you ever been in the middle of a client project, your client has gone over scope and over budget, and getting the right visual elements for the project will take some kind of miracle? Well, Storyblocks brings you over 400,000 photos, vectors, textures, and icons, all for one super low annual price. Plus, for freelance to founder listeners, you'll get seven days free by visiting storyblocks.com founders. That's seven days free access to almost half a million quality photos, vectors, textures, and icons. Visit storyblocks.com slash founders. Now enjoy the rest of this episode of Freelance Founder. Welcome back to the show. What type of person starts a company that potentially alienates colleagues and collaborators and competitors in the very industry in which he's made a living so far in his career? The type of person who thinks that industry is in need of serious repair. I think there's something majorly broken and it per- permeates throughout our even day to day here at Design Pickle when you have egotistical, underemployed designers like hating on our ads and, and tweeting us about how terrible we are. But what has happened is it's created an elite organization of, of individuals who are so firm in what they believe their value to be based off of what they've personally invested in their education have no place in today's marketplace other than to find people who agree with them and or to hate on anyone else doing anything differently. And this is who I was. I say this because I was that guy. Now, once that ego faded away and my business crumbled and I had nothing left, I said, well, you know what's probably easier? is creating something that consumers want that isn't dictated by what, I, by what I think they want. Some listeners who are graphic designers may be wondering right now, how in the world do you make this work financially? Clients can go back and forth like crazy with requested edits on a single design. We'll address that in just a little bit here. But others are more likely fuming right now, thinking about how Russ has lowered the bar for what qualifies as professional design. What does Russ have to say about this? Yeah, we always say you you need a you need a I know again we, the brand purists are like puking in their mouths because this is that but I say you need a logo and a website. <laughs> so if you have a logo to website, like we can get rolling with it because that means we're designing stuff for your site or for your marketing system. I I am someone who believes you should meet the consumers where they're at, and that the right marketplace has effective solutions for everybody. Now, we definitely polarize people because we're more successful than them and they get pissed off about it. But it's like, like, look guys, there are literally hundreds of millions of potential businesses and clients out here. And more often than not, it's more effort to complain about what we're doing than it is to go drum up new business. 
And that to me is like, it's like a, it's a scarcity versus an abundance mindset. I think there could be a hundred design pickles out there doing exactly the same thing we're doing. And we can all be big multi-million dollar companies. He spotted some haters going back and forth on social networks for hours, railing against his business model. Like if we had these, this Twitter storm, it erupts every uh, week or two. And these two guys went back and forth over a period of about four hours. So I actually went into the timestamps of Twitter and I calculated that, okay, this is about a four hour period. Then I went into the production timeline and saw how many design jobs we completed for people. We completed 473 design jobs. So while they were bitching on Twitter, we were helping 473 people get help that they need for their business, for their family, for their life. But why would you even want to do what we do? Like you need to be going after UI, mobile, strategy, VR, you know, programming, design, like front end, like do all the millions of things that really are high level that you need to go after, not Facebook ad resizes. Okay, so how about the numbers behind Design Pickle? How do you make this work financially as a business that you want to scale and grow? Maybe you're wondering, like I was, how you avoid the abyss of customer edits and micromanagement. Yeah, so building the financial plan was not possible without all those years of experience. The gap that I saw and the data that I used was directly derived from my agency work. So I don't discredit that at all. There would no be no design pickle without that path. But, um, but what I did is I said, okay, look, and it actually, I'll take a step back. I'll kind of tell you how like, I, I realized the opportunity is, is after I closed the agency, I was like, I need to make some money. I have no money coming in. We decided to close the agency on August 14th, or August 14th or 15th. And, and my last payday was like that payday. So je- September 1st, I had no, there was no money. I had nothing, there was nothing left. We dissolved the business, everything. So I, in a mad rush, got all these consulting jobs. And they were a, a wide range of consulting from, hey, I need a new business card to, I need a new brand and a website. So for the smaller production design jobs, I initially was kind of doing them, but I quickly realized that I sucked really bad at graphic design. And so I, I, I figured out, I was like, look, maybe I could find a freelancer kind of designer and I'll just put them on a ticketing system, like a, a customer support. And whenever my freelancing clients, because they're all different companies, and different people need something, they can just email this generic email address. And it ended up working swimmingly. Like it was so smooth and it was so much better than my strategic work. And I just said, why don't I just focus on this? Like, it's not as sexy. But why don't I just help people with small stuff? And lo and behold, that that became Design Pickles. When I was building the financial model, I said, okay, well, about how long does it take to do a business card design? Uh, 15 or 20 minutes. Like, like not crazy. I'm not presenting three concepts and going through this process. Just, I here's, here's what I've had. I need a new one. Go. And then I said, okay, well, you know, how many, how many jobs does that mean I could do in a day? Well, three, say three jobs an hour, uh, three, you know, and I just built it out from there based on like a full-time wage. And then I said, okay, well, where can I get some design support that it costs less than $75 an hour freelancer? That is the typical rate here in the States or $50 an hour. And that opened up basically only international markets. And then I said, okay, well, how much do I think a designer or a client would request 
in a given week or, you know, maybe a couple jobs a week on average. Like I just thought back to my agency and like they weren't requesting stuff all the time, every single day, every hour of the day. And that's, then I said, okay, well now I need to price it at blah. And I originally chose the $195 a month, which I soon found was so low, low price and wrong. And we raised it to 370 where it's been, except for one month we tried 495 and that was just a little too high. Um, and so based on that model, that was, that was the process. Not that it was a guaranteed win by any means. I mentioned he just launched in 2015. Though you can buy a starter logo or a design pack already, for example, the idea of offering unlimited designs for a flat fee, well, it just wasn't a thing before Design Pickle. He wasn't certain it was going to work either. Probably not until this year, until 2017. So we went pretty much all of 2015 and all of 2016 with me kind of still waiting for like the, the like someone to be like, just kidding, like, gotcha, like, half your clients are going to cancel in one month, like, or something. But, like, I think when we, when I started, like, bumping into people randomly and them seeing a logo or meeting a client that I've never even heard of, and they're being like, oh, my gosh, like, you guys are awesome. Like, that, like, that, that was, like, when I was solidified. And this year was definitely the like squashed any worry about it um now as you grow the growth of the people on the other side of clients who don't have a good experience just from a quantifiable number those are getting larger too so that's now become the main focus for us is like look we we can continue to add in more clients on the top end but we have to sort of crack this churn because we have a higher than average churn Namely, because we're an optional service. We're not your accounting software or your, or your CRM, which is like this huge cost of switching. We're just like, do you, do you use Design Pickle for your designs or do you not? I was curious how one goes about launching a brand new service like this, where there's little to no thought that such a thing exists. What's the process you go through? Russ's team has completed over 100,000 projects and is a $6 million business today. But how do you get things up and running from the beginning with a service like Design Pickle? I just did guest blogging and I emailed every single email I ever had collected ever in my entire life. And I actually got blacklisted by Gmail for a while because I didn't even use like MailChimp. Like I just ECC'd people from Gmail and hit their upper thresholds. And it was like, you are not allowed to send out more email. Uh, so that was that. And then I, yeah, I get guest blogged and I just got the word out. Hey, can I, you're a coach for women. Can I write about how creativity or something can help there? You're a, um, you know, you're a, a, a audio visual marketing company. Can I write about something? So all my network I had personally, I just queued up guest blog posts and went for it. And then we made money and we started doing paid ads on Facebook. So, and then we did a trade show, I think our second month, which was in March, late March in Phoenix. And that was the Infusionsoft conference in 2015. But that was like, we always had, we were always cash flow positive. So I just reinvested that out of the gates into new acquisition strategies and primarily paid acquisition. I don't know if I could even do it differently. 
Because, like, let's take the trade show we did, for example. That's where the birth of the the pickle costume and us handing out pickles came from. And it was done in a very scrappy way. Like, I couldn't afford a booth, and this is what I negotiated. But then that's become, like, a staple for when we do events, and it's kind of a fun, unique thing. So I I don't know if my guest blogging worked as well as just my network being willing to help me and buy and I think if I would have done like PR or or guest blogging on like working to create deeper relationships with more influential people and guest blogging for them, that that could have been more helpful for that client acquisition. Now that he's here to stay, he genuinely wonders why designers are full of so much angst regarding Design Pickle. There is a difference between loving what you do and doing something you're passionate about and making money and they're not all connected so i think what ends up happening especially in the creative space and i did it too i love branding i love brand strategies um our brand is simple and you look at the mark and we get teased a lot by the mark but we have a top brand in the marketplace people know us that's not by accident but it was hard to make money branding and so i was trying to chase something i was passionate about and make money and that was really hard because I just, I mean, and some people could, some people have figured it out and good for them. You know, they're, they're charging seven figures for brands and, and you know, living in islands and whatever they do. But I realized like I could still have a job I really like and a company I really like and people I really like working with, which actually is kind of close to doing something I'm passionate about. But, but do something that maybe is a little bit more boring and just do it in a really meaningful, like solid way and like help solve a problem that maybe isn't as sexy as a brand or a brand identity or some big overarching 24 month creative strategy. And, and, and then like, and then, but actually make money, which actually is probably a lot more enjoyable in some regards. than chasing a passion and being broke all the time. The other irony of designers hating on us is we've actually launched an entire software platform to allow creatives to build their own productized service business and which will include subscription revenue systems for them called JAR. So like I'm actually this next year going to be teaching creatives how to do that in their own business. With Design Pickle humming and JAR coming along soon, how is life different for Russ now versus just a couple of years ago? My life is unrecognizable compared to when I started. I couldn't even have imagined where we're at. I was I needed to like pay my rent when we started. From my personal life to my team's life, like we have people like over 100 people in the Philippines like emailing me on a weekly basis how they've bought a home or gotten a car or like lives are just being changed left and right, not to manage the thousands of clients we work with. I mean, like beyond finances, it's just like we just start helping people every day. And what parting words does he have for designers wanting a more firm grip on their financial future? There is job insurance for the creative industry. It's not going to be taken over by AI or automation or any of this kind of stuff. And specifically to services, like for every new platform that's built, Guess what? People need to figure out how to use it. People, there's going to be visual components and people are going to design for it. 
And so I think it's going to only be for the creatives to take on these businesses. And as much as I knock on the industry, it's just ultimately a small segment of, of disgruntled, unemployed guys that hate on us. And I challenged everyone else, the other 98% of the people out there, is to you know, find something they can niche down and get passionate about, even if it's boring in the creative space, because that's going to be your golden ticket. And there are literally seven and eight figure businesses in this creative space that are going to be so boring from the outside, but people are going to figure them out and they're going to crush it. And that is the story of Russ Perry, founder of Design Pickle. What are your thoughts on this episode and Russ's business? Visit us at Milo.co and leave your comments. Click over to iTunes and leave us an honest rating and review or just shoot us an email at shows at Milo.co. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, a special thank you to FreshBooks and Storyblocks for sponsoring this third season. They make the show possible. Well, friends, that's the eighth and final episode of season three of Freelance to Founder. For all of us at Milo, thank you so much for listening. We'll have some bonuses coming up for you in the coming weeks, and we look forward to catching you next time on Freelance to Founder with Season 4 in 2018.